Well, it's summertime, and summer means heat, right? And summer means family. If you're a part of a family, you know that like summertime, there's more time to hang out, go to Dorney Park, go on car rides together. And anybody that's in a summertime family mood has great things to enjoy, but there's also a lot of drama. You know what I mean? Like being stuck in the car for a long period of time together when you're hot and your air conditioner is broken. Can I get an amen? I don't really like my family. I don't really care who they are. I, I, there's dysfunction and mess that comes out of family, and somehow summer brings out more of it than normal because we know this truth, that you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And family can be messy, hard, difficult. I've met some of your families, and they're really whacked, honestly. And I, I look at your family and I go, yours is more messed up than mine. And you look at my family and you go, no, yours is definitely more messed up than... And it's like we can look at each other and we know that this is a messy thing called family. It's not really easy. And you didn't know this, you knew this. But the church family can be equally as messy. See, you can't choose your friends, or you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your church family either. Like, you can't decide, okay, I'm going to go hang out with my friends at church. No, because your friends from the hunting club and the guys you go bowling with and the ladies you crochet with, those are your friends. That's not the church. The church is this family where all are welcome. I mean all. I mean everybody. Everybody is welcome. Put their faith in Christ and be adopted into a family, and it's a diverse group of people. So if the church was made up of all women, it would be less messy. If the church was made up of all men, I think it would be less messy. If the church was made up with all of people from Asia, all of people from just Africa, if the people only from the islands, or only from South America, only from North America, if, if it was just that simple, only a people group that was like me, then it would be less messy. If it was churches made up of just people that had my political view, if the church was made up of people that only had my education or my economics or my theological perspective, if it was made up of only people like me or like you, it would be less messy. But that's not the church of Jesus Christ. God invites everyone, every type and tribe, to put their faith in Him, and because of that, it's a mess. Frankly, the church is just as messy as your family. Your family's a mess. The church family is a mess. It's just kind of the way it is. Here's the question. Will our church, this church, be a dysfunctional mess or a beautiful mess? Because it's not whether it's going to be a mess. When you put all kinds of people together, it gets messy quick. But is it going to be dysfunctional or beautiful? Dysfunctional, here's what I mean. Is it going to be a place that because of our differences, we're going to be divided, we're going to be bitter, we're going to be judgmental. The haves are going to push on the have-nots. There's going to be people that are more superior and less superior, more Christian, more faithful, more, less, less, less. Because that kind of dysfunction, God does not honor or bless. A beautiful mess would be a church that recognizes we're all different. And we come from a diverse background with lots of different stories and lots of different experiences, lots of different perspectives, and we come together in the name of Jesus, and we put our differences aside, and we say, wait, we're going to be a God-glorifying, Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered community to proclaim the hope of Christ, produce disciples of Christ, and unleash 
servants of Christ. We're going to put our differences aside and be connected together. Is it possible that the differences could make us vibrant and beautiful, kind of like a paint war that you just look at it and you go, it's messy, but there's something that emerges out of that mess that's beautiful and radiant, and everybody wants to be in that paint party. Or is it going to be dysfunctional? See, I want to be a part of the beautiful mess called the family of God, where we're connected with one another even though we're very different. And Christ is the center, and we're not divided, but we stay connected about what things that matter most. And that's why we're starting this sermon series called Together in Christ. And it's it's in the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at this one verse actually throughout the summer, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. And I'll explain a little bit later why just this one verse. And the book of 1 Corinthians, NIV is the translation we use. You can find that in your app. Uh, you have, might have an online copy on your phone. You can bring a paper copy and follow along. 1 Corinthians, you find it towards the end of your Bible. And it was written by a guy named Paul author of this letter. And what's interesting about Paul, actually fascinating, he's incredibly smart. Incredibly smart man who is incredibly passionate about what he believes and incredibly narrow-minded about what he believes. Paul was a guy that was Jewish and believed that if you didn't agree with his form of religion, then you were a threat to him. Paul's actually a religious extremist who tries to eliminate in his younger years anybody that disagrees with his form of religion. Actually gets to a point, this smart, intelligent, passionate man gets to a point where he starts killing Christians who don't agree with him. This is religious extremism. And yet, he comes to know Jesus Christ. He bumps into Jesus, and Jesus changes everything, including this religious extremist. And this guy, Paul, starts to follow Jesus, and he starts to follow Jesus so passionately that he begins to talk about Jesus all over the Roman Empire. And he doesn't just talk about the goodness of Christ to people that don't know Jesus. He talks to the family of God, the sons and daughters of God, and whether they're Jew or Gentile, free or slave, whether they're male or female, he talks to people and says, you know, there's one body, one family of God, and he writes this letter, 1 Corinthians, this church in Corinth was incredibly dysfunctional, a dysfunctional mess. This letter was written because of just how messy they are, and he wrote it to try to unite them together and help them to get their eyes fixed on what matters most, a messy, dysfunctional family He's trying to bring them together and make it into a beautiful mess called the family of God. And he says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now you are. Not you might be, you may be, you should be, you could be. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And he's talking to group of diverse people from diverse ethnicities, diverse experiences, diverse economics, diverse intellectual abilities, diverse maturity and opinion. And he says, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. All these diverse people, you are, and you have a part in it. 
who is he specifically talking to? In verse 27, if you back up to verse 12, he tells you who he's specifically talking to. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So, so who is the body of Christ? It's all those who place their faith in Christ. That's who's a part of the body of Christ. All those who have said, man, I know I can't get to heaven on my own. I know I need someone on the outside to help me. I know Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again. I believe that he did that for me. So now I surrender my life to him. I fall at his knees and say, I'm yours. And what's incredible is when you give your heart to Jesus, he gives you his spirit. When you give your heart, your sin, and surrender to him, he puts his spirit inside you. And what's incredible about the spirit of God, the spirit comes and lives inside you and connects you to God the Father, adopts you into his family, but it's not just this way, vertical between me and God, it's horizontal. It, it connects me to God and it connects me to other people who have also put their faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm connected into this family. All who place their faith in Christ are a part of the family of God, the body of Christ. But here's how Paul's so smart, incredibly intelligent. In any group of people, the body of Christ, the family of God, people in your workplace, people in your bowling club, any group of people that comes together, Paul is so smart because he knows among any group of people, you're going to feel either superior to the other people in the family or inferior. Uh, two primary things that we wind up feeling in a group of people. I feel like I'm better than you or I feel like I'm less than you. And Paul addresses that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says in verse 15, he gives this warning to those who are feeling inferior. He says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it should for, not, for that reason not stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. See his warning here. There's a part of the body that goes, oh, I'm not like everybody else. Therefore, I'm not a part of it. I'm feeling inferior. My story, my race, my gender, my background, I'm not important. And he's trying to say to them, no one is inferior in the body of Christ. No one is second class. No one is less than. He says in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they, if they were all one part, where would the body be as it is? There are many parts, but one body. He's saying, warning, family of God, you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You're not inferior to any part, any other here. But he continues to those who think they're superior, better than, in verse 21. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat 
with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. He's warning people who think they need any kind of special treatment, any kind of I'm better than, I'm wealthier, I'm smarter, I'm more enlightened. Anyone that thinks they're more important or more valuable or ahead of anyone else, he's saying, there's no one superior in the body of Christ. Nobody higher or elite in the family of God, verse 24, because God has put the body together. This isn't about us giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. He's warning the family. He placed your faith and trust in Jesus. He put his spirit inside you, connected you to God and into a body, a family. No one is greater, no one is less. No one is more important, no one is less important. But God in his sovereignty put each one of us in the right place and time, in the right spot, so that we could honor him and know him. And this is why Paul then says in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. Not you might be, you can be, you will be someday. No, right here, right now, the moment you put your faith in Christ, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. God made us this way with all our unique differences of gender and race and economics and academics and story and maturity. He glumped us all together. Is that a word, glumped? He clumped us, glumped us all together and said, this is my body, my family. None of you should say, I'm better. None of you can say, I'm worse. You're the family, my family. But let's be honest, that's not how we live. And we could talk about all this nebulously and out there about the family of God, the body of Christ, but let's honestly talk about Faith Church in 2018. Here's reality. At Faith Church today in 2018, there are those who act superior and those who feel inferior. Right in this room, right watching online, there are people, starting with me, that there are times that I act superior to you, and there are times that I feel inferior to you, and if that's true of me and I lead the way in everything, then there are people listening to me right now that think they're better than the person next to them. There are people right now listening, thinking I'm a piece of garbage compared to the person next to me, right here. There are people that have been here for years and think that because they've been at Faith Church for so many years, they're more important than others. And then there are people that have been here for a few weeks and wonder where they fit in. There are people here at Faith Church today that have a lot of knowledge and theology in their minds who think they're superior to those who are just starting to take baby steps in following Jesus. There are those who give a lot and serve a lot that feel like that makes them more important and they have a greater say in the family. And there are those who can't give much and can't serve much that feel like second-class citizens. There are those in this family today that feel like because we're contemporary, we're better than the traditional. And there are those in the traditional that think 
that they're better than the contemporary. There are men here today that think, you know what? Men should rule and women should be silent. And there are people in this room, women, that think the women should lead and men should go back to sleep. There are those who have all kinds of different perspectives on every possible topic right here at this family, in our home, in this church. We have a mess on our hands. And anyone who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is a part of the family of God. No one inferior, no one superior. All valued, important, have a place. But left to our own sinful devices, our own attitudes, our own perspectives, our own actions, we will make this a dysfunctional mess. And it will repel people from the church and from the Lord of the church, Jesus himself which is why God put this sermon series on my heart. So I can say this to you, this is not an over-exaggeration, the next number of weeks together in this sermon series is unlike any sermon series I've ever been a part of here at Faith, anything I've ever been a part of, that God put this on my heart and then on the leadership's heart that we look at this one verse throughout the summer. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That throughout the summer, week in and week out, we're going to look at this one verse and dive into it from every angle and corner to try to understand all that God means through the fact that I am in the body, the family, and I'm a part of it, and so are you. But here's what's going to be unique. I'm going to be using some other people to speak and help me explain this. I think of it this way. In God's sovereignty, I, I am the senior pastor. It's kind of a joke in some ways. Somehow he asked me, and under the headship of Christ and the headship of the elders, I'm kind of like the mouth of Faith Church, the big Jersey mouth of Faith Church. But this summer, I'm asking the shoulder to speak and the knee to speak because sometimes we think, well, I need a shoulder and I need a knee, but I only need to listen to the shoulder and the knee when there's a problem and when there's pain or something going wrong. But this summer instead, we're going to ask the shoulder and the knee to speak. What does it mean to be a part of the family of God? What does it mean for us to know that each one of us is a part of it. And God put this on our hearts because I believe he wants us to go deeper in what it means to be together in Christ and not just take that at a surface level, but go deeper into that. But here's a warning. I've told you this before. When you come to Faith Church, I can read your minds. And, and pride keeps dysfunctional, divided, and repulses people away from the family of God, our pride. So even as I tell you this, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are going, I don't want to hear from anything else but the mouth. I don't like that person or this person. You know what? The knee shouldn't even be allowed to speak in the church. The shoulder should shut up unless we need him or her. And what God is doing is wanting to humble us because pride keeps us dysfunctional. Pride prevents us from hearing and learning, and it keeps us divided. That when together we recognize under the headship of Christ, the headship of elders, the headship of leadership, there are ways that the church can hear and learn and grow. 
You see, pride promotes this kind of dysfunction and division, and what, what happens is it just doesn't repel people from us individually. It repels people from the church. Most importantly, when we're prideful and dysfunctional as a family, it pushes people away from God. That's not what he has for his family. So instead, with humility, he wants us to learn, to unite, to be an attractive place for people to come and grow and learn. So what if you approached this summer and said, God, whether the mouth is speaking, the shoulder is speaking, the knee is speaking, I want to learn what it means to be the body of Christ to learn what it means that I have a part of it, and so do different people. So would you pray with me for humble hearts, that we might be united together deeper and stronger than we've ever been united as a family, that we might show the world that God loves them through our family. We might attract people into his kingdom, that we would be united. Would you pray with me for that? You know, I want you to imagine you being a middle schooler again. Some of you don't have to imagine because you are. Hi, middle schoolers. Glad you're here. But remember back, some of you, that's like 13 years. Some of it's like 400 years for some of you. But remember, one of the worst times of the day for any middle schooler was lunch. Why? Because a middle schooler goes into lunch, and if they don't have a place to sit, they feel like an outcast. So imagine you're a middle schooler and you start in January when everyone else has already been in school, you come and you're new, and it's January 13th, and you show up to a crowded cafeteria, and you have your tray, and you look across this cafeteria, and you don't know where to go. Is there anything worse than that? Imagine as if you scan the room Someone catches your eye, and they have a seat next to them, and they move their backpack off the seat, and they say, hey, come sit next to me. Is there anything better than that? Be invited to sit at a table? Not because you can't stand and eat. You can. You can stand and eat, but because we all desperately need connection and community, and when someone says, come sit here, you have just been invited into a family, a connection, a spot where you can be heard and you can hear others. You know, as Christ followers, we're a bunch of middle schoolers wandering around. We think we're all adult and sophisticated. We're a bunch of knuckleheads in middle school. And so many of us wandered into the church of Jesus Christ for the first time. Think about when that was for you. And you know what's incredible? God saw you coming. He invited you said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and, and I will give you rest. God saw you coming, and he, he didn't judge you by your color or your economics or your smell or your academics or your theology. He, he moved something out of the way called his son and said, sit down next to me. He, he crucified his son so that he could move his son out into death that you might sit at the table, the eternal table of God forever. And you weren't entitled to that. That's his grace and his mercy that he says, come and sit here. Sit next to me. And you sat down and you met people 
And just sitting at the table changed you. You're at the table with the God of the universe and with his family, and it begins to change you. And somehow, the longer you sit at the table, you feel like you're entitled to your seat. The longer you sit in the family of God, you think you deserve your seat. You think it's yours. And then people come in to the church of God, and you see them, but you go, oh, don't sit next to me. Not your kind, not your smell, not your politics, not your orientation, not your race, not you, and you won't move your bag. When God is saying, oh, come and sit at my table, I made room for you. And as you sit at my table and you listen to my heart and you listen to my love and you listen to my truth, it's going to change you. And here's how you'll know it really changes you when you move your bag to invite someone else in and sit down next to you. Because being in at the table with God the Father is what changes people your judgment over them, my judgment over them, my saying you're welcome or not welcome isn't come and sit at the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who loved you. Oh, that we this summer might learn that everyone is welcome in the family of God and that we might be a place that welcomes people, knowing that the grace and the truth of God through the power of His Spirit and His Word is what's going to reform and restore and heal people and change people, come to the table is what our disposition should be. Pray with me. God, in Your incredible mercy and love, You set aside Your Son to death. to make a place for me in your family. And he died and rose again, and he's seated at your right hand forever, that people from every tribe and nation and orientation and perspective might come to you, and that when they come, starting with me, I might be changed, and my identity might not be anything else but Christ and Christ alone. This is how you work, God. As sons and daughters who sit at your table, help us to listen to your voice. Change our appetites. Give us the appetite for the things you love. Help us to love the food that you love, the thoughts that you love, the truth that you love. Help us to hate the things you hate, the behaviors that you hate. Start that in us. And give us loving hands and loving hearts and loving homes that welcome people in and learn from people and listen to people before we make judgment upon people. Give us humility as a family. Make Faith Church a humble place of grace and truth. Keep us from pride and arrogance, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.